Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. Starting with some InfoSec related news this week. ThreatPost reported on an Oracle cryptographic attack which is using a 20-year-old protocol flaw to compromise Internet Key Exchange Protocol which is used to secure IP communications. The attack targets IKE's handshake implementation use for IPsec-based VPN connections. This opens corporate VPN users to possible man-in-the-middle attacks where attackers could then access data carried in VPN sessions. Both Huawei and Cisco have already released patches, so the best way to address this is just keep on top of your patches, which is kind of a given. Also, Ars Technica, who are awesome, reported on one of the most interesting sessions from DEF CON last week. Patrick Wardle showcased a vulnerability he discovered in macOS. Initially, he reported what he found to Apple, who then released a patch. All's well that ends well, right? Well, not so much. Patrick inadvertently discovered the exploit still exists today on a fully patched macOS High Sierra machine. The vulnerability in question is with the macOS security prompts. So for those Windows users out there, these are somewhat similar to Windows UAC prompts. Patrick discovered he could programmatically get around these security prompts, and not only that, but it seems like even when the security prompt is triggered, it hasn't prevented him from running malicious code, so it really doesn't do anything all that worthwhile. He was able to use some of the accessibility features in the keyboard to program mouse clicks, so kind of like synthetic simulated clicks. Initially, he could click through any prompt that appeared all hidden from the logged in user. After the patch was issued, he discovered his code was essentially double-clicking using the down arrow on the keyboard, which, as he discovered, bypassed the fix that was put in place. Ars Technica have stated in their article that Apple has not commented on the story as of yet. And just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, Intel have disclosed three new exploits similar to Meltdown and Spectre, as they are using a speculative execution side-channel method this time called L1 Terminal Vault. The exploit can be used by an attacker to access private data on machines running Intel's Core and Xeon processors. According to Intel, none of the attacks have been seen in the wild yet, and if you patched for Meltdown Inspector, you are already part of the way there to protecting against these. Windows users will get relief in Windows August patches, Intel state that the patches will take measures to protect against two of the variants, but the third one is more complex, so I guess it may take a little time for that one to be patched accordingly. And in some other news, this time VMware related, VMware released version 9.6 of Workspace ONE UEM. The highlights are new profile settings for Android and Chrome OS, new Apple functionality, and Windows 10 enhancements. Some of these examples include a QR code, which enables administrators and end users to register devices as work managed. It helps streamline uh, user enrollment and different various workflows. Also, biometric passcode support, factory reset protection, and shared device support all for Android. A remote view capability for iOS. Enhanced app installation notifications for Windows. And remote reboot for Windows 10 to name but a few. For a full list, I'll include a link with this episode, which is episode 33, on 5bytespodcast.com. If you go there and just go to resource links, you'll find the links. But staying with VMware, 
It's not really new for this week, but I wanted to point out since most people I have talked to have not made the move to version 6.7 of vSphere yet, and are either still on version 6.0 CU2 or 6.5, that you can try out VMware vSphere version 6.7 for free today on VMware's hands-on lab platform. The hands-on lab platform is a free resource that allows you to try out the products for yourself without setting up your own lab environment. I'll also share a link for this on 5bytespodcast.com. This week, Brian Madden tweeted that VMworld will feature 121 EUC-based breakout sessions. This is very interesting as VMworld has been painted as an infrastructure-focused event in the past. It's good to see EUC getting greater focus. And as stated last week on the podcast, if you are going, you want to register for the Digital Workspace keynote ahead of your arrival in Vegas. And I'll share a link for that too. And also, lastly, if you are lucky enough to be going to VMworld, be sure to check out the curated list of events happening during the week. For me, the highlight looks like the Rubric Party, which will feature the Roots and Run DMC. For anybody who happens to be going, have a great time. This week, Remote Desktop Analyzer version 3, which was mentioned on the podcast previously, now supports Zen Desktop 718 and adds the ability for remote logging of data. You can check out the release notes for more. Cloudhouse containers are now available in the Citrix Ready Marketplace for the latest version of Zen App. This is a really great move for Cloudhouse, who are going from strength to strength, and they've also positioned themselves at the forefront of Microsoft's MSIX, allowing you to repackage into MSIX and deliver through their container, essentially allowing you to easily deploy MSIX applications to any operating system, even Windows 7, which is pretty cool. And before I get off of MSIX again, I know I talk about it pretty much every week, but a cheap plug for my own content here, I posted two blogs and a video demo of MSIX this week. In it, I go through step-by-step of how to repackage a Win32 app into MSIX. I also have a video showing the experience using them, and I also just blog about my opinion and what this could mean for application packaging going forward. Cloud Jumper, who featured on an RDMI panel and Microsoft Inspire, have announced this week a free cloud workspace for Azure NFR channel program. That's a mouthful. If you work at an MSP and you have an interest in quickly moving customers to the cloud, this could be a great opportunity for just that. Or if you already have customers supported in your own cloud platform today, but you're not happy with the cost and overhead, you could still try this out for free and maybe you'll find leveraging CloudJumper could allow you to focus on other areas for supporting your customers. RDS The Complete Guide by Claudio Rodriguez and Freak Burson is now available in paperback. It's retailing for $49.99 on Amazon, so go ahead and pick that up if you haven't already. You'll learn a lot. The Windows Admin Center Preview version 18.08 is now available. For a list of new features, go ahead and check out Microsoft's Experience blog. The Let's Encrypt root certificate is now trusted by all major browsers, operating systems, and root programs, including those from Microsoft, Google, Apple, Mozilla, Oracle, and BlackBerry. Let's Encrypt is currently providing certificates for more than 115 million websites. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, you'll have heard me talk about Let's Encrypt before. You may also remember me telling you that Google have started to index sites using HTTPS ahead of those using HTTP. 
Let's Encrypt makes HTTPS affordable. Many hosting providers offer Let's Encrypt certs in their management panes now too, so it makes it very easy. This week I stumbled upon a really great article from Cloudflare. It goes through the evolution of TLS, up to and including the next version, TLS 1.3. And in it, it contains some information on what the main issues were that drove the design of TLS 1.3. And they include reducing handshake latency, encrypting more of the handshake, improving resiliency for cross-protocol attacks, and removing legacy features. But the article goes through in great detail the how and the why. So check that out for more information if you're interested. The Citrix Workspace app is now available in the Microsoft Store. In other Citrix-related news, if you upgraded to version 7.18 and you've been experiencing slowness with your published applications, you'll want to go ahead and check out a PDF contained in this article, CTX101644. It contains a registry setting that can help alleviate some of that slowness. So definitely check that out if you're experiencing slowness in version 7.18. Citrix also released a new version of the Quality Indicator Tool, which displays the health of your end users' connections. And as I wrap up the news this week, just a note for anyone who uses Docker, the Docker Hub will be down for maintenance for up to 45 minutes on Saturday, August 25th. Container image pools will be unavailable during this time. So if you've got automation at work, maybe running during the night, leveraging Docker images up on the hub. Just be forewarned, you may want to postpone for that night or possibly run them at a different time because they may fail. And now for this episode's hot job. My buddy Ryan Redford is looking for a Seattle area-based VMware and Nutanix wizard who is a PowerShell automation junkie and who's looking to join an amazing team. I know that Ryan and also Hal Lang work together in the same team, so it's probably an understatement to say that it's an amazing team. Working with those two would teach whoever is a candidate a whole lot, and I would suggest that you should apply if you're a high performer because both of those guys are very high performers. Uh, DM Ryan on Twitter if you're interested or if you require more details, and I'll provide a link to his Twitter if you want to do just that. And now for this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. This week's tip is courtesy of Trevor Ty. He posted a really in-depth blog post about changes in idle time detection on Windows 10 compared to Windows 7, which is very important if you're triggering an event or a script to run after, say, 15 minutes of user idle time. If you're migrating to Windows 10, and you know that you have idle time triggered events running such as scheduled tasks or if you already even migrated and have found that a program is running too soon after a little bit of user idle time, you'll want to read this for yourself. And even if you don't think it's relevant to you, it's still worth a read because it's very interesting to get into the weeds of these nuances or differences between Windows 7 and Windows 10. I learned a lot, so thanks a lot for that, Trevor. And I don't usually have multiple things in this segment, but I wanted to mention a really cool Visio stencil this week because last week I featured the VDI guide on the podcast and I talked about in the book there's these really cool whiteboard sketches. Well, this stencil is what Johan used for the book. 
So this could be very cool for white papers or internal infrastructure documents in your own workplace. I know that I'm definitely going to try and integrate it into my own documentation so somebody else might find value in it too. And that's it for another episode of the podcast. As usual, I, it's kind of boring to say it now, but go to 5bytespodcast.com, scroll into the footer. If you want to sign up for my newsletter, I send it out maybe two or three times a year. Um, I only tend to send it out if I have a lot of interesting content. So if you find the content in this podcast every week valuable, then you might find the newsletter valuable too. And with that, as always, thanks so much for listening.